0: Welcome to the Minovate Gang Podcast, episode 377. I'm Steve Borsch, and I am on with Tim Elliott. Good morning. And Phil Wilson. Hola. How you guys doing? Wow. Got Got to get a little... You know I Spanish, know, flair, Spanish going. <laughs> Yeah, but that was. What about your Spanish accent? Can we
1: hear uh, that? No, I can't do this. No. <laughs> it all just comes out like Speedy Gonzalez. So oh, I don't okay. think, that's, think right. it's really
0: appropriate. <laughs> well, you know, I've been uh, goofing with an app um, called Memorize on M E M R I S E on uh, my iPad, and we've been learning Spanish. Michelle and I have been just goofing around a little bit, and then I listened to. I've been watching Narcos on Netflix, which is, you know, mostly in Spanish and and uh, with subtitles. And I can't understand a word they're saying. It's just, just <laughs> like, wait, what? I'd say you have a ways to go. I Yeah, a little ways. Oh, well. Hey. Nah, what are you going to do? Let's talk about the Minnesota Developers Conference. Who went to that? Yeah, I went to that.
1: Um, but checked it out on... Um... I believe it was Tuesday. Yes, it was. Yeah. Um, and, uh, ILM puts this on, um, uh, industrial it. light and magic. No, yeah, right. <laughs> it's like consulting firm. Uh, in fact, uh, Farhan, who's the founder with his wife, uh, Luna, um, um, started ilm and actually farhan was one of the first sponsors of of uh, mobile march and so we've kind of had a relationship with those guys and they put on the mobile or excuse me the minnesota developers conference uh every year and it, it was very much a it's very much a dot net um uh, java sort of focus mm-hmm. and uh so i was talking with them about the possibility of doing something with them so since we're not doing Mobile march anymore i was like check it out and see if there's something we can throw behind there. It's oh. an interesting group. There's about 400 folks. Uh, the, they held it at uh, the Earl Brown center and uh, had a, a great keynote. Um, uh, the guy by a uh, guy from Microsoft. Uh, whose were name there is exhibitors? Escaping. Yeah, there were, there were a few, yeah. uh, not a lot, just a few. Again, it's, I think it's, it's more of uh, you know, it's put on to on uh, by ILM. And I think it's probably more of, of what they're doing. Um, sort of help build brand and, and stay connected and that sort of thing. So yeah. um, the speaker was Scott Hanselman from Microsoft. It was a great speaker; just really enjoyed it. My favorite quote, and I think I tweeted this out earlier. My favorite quote was, "Never trust a never trust someone with an Audible hard drive," <laughs> which I think is oh. great. It's like, come on, dude! You're supposed to be solid state now, so yeah, if you yeah. know, to, to hear to hear your hard drive war, you should never trust a guy like that. So. <laughs> Little bit of geek humor there, so. But anyway, great event, uh, well, well attended, and um, uh, it, you know, it's a group of folks that, that I haven't really spent a lot of time with. That, that I don't find myself in the Microsoft space much. So yeah, yeah. Um, but it was uh, it was an interesting, interesting. <coughs>
0: Excuse me. Well, they they seem to be doing pretty well, Microsoft. That is, who um, never? Yeah, know that I know. One, sorry. But 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 it but it's interesting because there was a period of time where that's all any developer talked about. Or so it seemed Microsoft, Microsoft, Microsoft. And now it's like, it it doesn't come up that much, but Hey, um, here's a question for you. So Phil, this, uh, uh, article that Catherine Grayson did called high tech talent grab. Yeah. Um, um, which is behind a paywall, but, um, it's, it's still, still a pretty interesting article for those that want to, uh, connect up and, and look at it. But my assumption would be that they're looking for people because, you know, they, they, they did, t- uh, she did touch on in the story about the, the Doug Olson opened Microsoft office in St. Paul. Right. Almost a decade ago. And that was yep. the expectation was, is you know, Doug was going to ramp up that to hundreds and hundreds of employees and that never happened. Right. um, um And uh, where, where do you think, cause she kind of talked about this. She talked about target and, of course, uh, 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 smart things is here. So Samsung has a presence and then your Buzzfeed office obviously mm-hmm. is a, is a presence and uh, Amazon's here. Is it, um, is it kind of a diverse pool of hiring that's going on?
1: Um, I, you know, I don't know if it's necessarily a diverse pool. It's a, a you know, it's just, yeah. I think that you know the the, the high tech talent grab is what what she she called it. It was, it was sort of like I think one of the teaser headlines that I got in a newsletter was was um, they're here to take your jobs and it's just like or, or take your talent, I believe it was. Um, and I I don't know it it's interesting. I think it's there was a tinge of oh you know this the the threat of huge companies coming in and sucking up all the talent almost made it sound like you know, we're taking the talent out of Minnesota and I, I, I kind of look at it as another, from another standpoint, at least from the Buzzfeed standpoint, it's like, you know, Buzzfeed is here to integrate into the tech community and it's not here to take over the tech community or drain the tech right. community. Um, that's probably the, 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 the only, that's the only qualm I had with the, with the, with the tone of, of the, uh, the article, um, I think it's, it, the, as, as Kathy actually started to do this Be obviously inspired by the fact that Amazon's now here and looking to hire about a hundred people and, and they're also hiring on the fulfillment side as well. So, yeah. and I think that that's one of those things that, that was a, let's talk about, you know, where the talent is going. And I think that, you know, it's great to be, I would look at it more as it's great to have these companies in town because it does further that desire to make people know that that technology is alive and well in Minnesota and we're a growing tech hub. So,
2: uh, but I got the sense of that by technology in quotes, it's, it's basically talking about engineers. It's not talking about, you know, other, other people that play roles in these companies. I,
1: I would agree with you there. Yeah. And there, there are definitely, you know, at least from the, from the Buzzfeed side, we're only technology. We're only interested in hiring technologists right now is simply because that's, that's what our office is. We're not hiring editorial or, or marketing or anything like that. But I know that, you know, for example, Amazon is, is hiring not only technologists, but there are, you know, I see ads all the time for Amazon to work in the fulfillment in the center. Right. right. So, so there are other things going on.
0: Well, but also, but also the, the other thing is, is just like in the Bay area, you know, people are always companies are always stealing from one another. They're always recruiting people, and people are you know there's a, a fairly fluid movement from company to company, especially with engineers. And then you you know you have the infamous um, you know Steve Jobs and um, um, who was it Google or something that they're not going to poach each other, mm-hmm. um, and and there's some sort of tacit agreement and so on, um, which was never really proven. But the yeah. point is is that is that what I thought was interesting about this there's a graphic in the article um for anyone listening you've got, you've got to get behind the paywall to be able to see it but um there are two magnets one is a buzzfeed magnet and the other is an amazon magnet showing uh all the companies where people have come in from mm-hmm. and and um and and so there's a real diverse group for amazon for example Seagate Dow Jones John Deere Crawl on track jamf software. I mean, there's all kinds of different companies here. The point though is, is that this is exactly what I think the Twin Cities needs or Minnesota needs is this fluid pool because people go into a company like this and they'll work for Amazon and they'll meet one another and they'll work on projects, and pretty soon they'll say, you know, we could do this better. And they'll spin off and they'll go start up a company. I mean, that that's 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 sort of the Bay Area model. Um, uh, writ a little smaller, but uh, um, I think I think it's a good thing.
1: Oh no, I agree with you. I think I think it is a good thing. And you know, i i I always uh, I always sort of flinch a little bit when when or wince a little bit when somebody says it compares um, technology hiring and and technology areas in general to the to the Valley. I mean, it's that's just such a different and more unique spot. I don't think you're yeah. ever going to see that sort of situation again, where, where the tech industry totally dominates the landscape and dictates the the cost of living and everything. I just don't think that's going to happen, um, anywhere else. I just, they were in the right place at or wrong place or right place at the wrong time or right, whatever right, was, right to see what happened there. I, you know, I think this is really a, a very good thing because, you know, when you're, you know, when you're working in a, in a landscape that appeals to companies like Amazon and, and, uh, I humbly say, like Buzzfeed, which I think is a, a great company. Um, I think that's a great thing.
0: All right, so let me ask you guys this. So, um, Target has set up a website to invite pitches from startups, and so has Best Buy. They're going to be highlighting products by startups in a section of their store and on their website. Right, but uh, they're but they're coming in from
2: a totally different
0: direction. Right, right. interesting. Yeah,
2: yeah. Target's and, looking for in, internal efficiencies to their merchandising and and uh, retail software. Where Best Buy is looking for products
0: to to sell, right? And you know what I well the thing the thing about Target, I totally understand it. I mean that's they were at Mobile March, right, Phil, with a yep. booth, and yeah, yeah they want to meet engineers. Every, every
1: data event, yeah, yeah they're at every yeah. data. event. Yeah.
0: and uh, the thing about Best Buy is when when I read this article, it's about that you know they have one store in Mount or Mountain View, California, where they have a, a section set up, and it, clearly it's a pilot test. But what I saw about this was how cool it would be to essentially have a Kickstarter Indiegogo section in a Best Buy store, because that's essentially what this is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah.
2: I don't know if that would make it. Uh, I've been thinking about, uh, you know, doing a pop-up at the Mall of America, which is all Kickstarter stuff. But I don't, you know, looking at it pretty hard, I I don't think that there's enough you know, out there to really make it, make a go of it, at least here, maybe in San Francisco or New York, maybe, you know, a bigger city like that, there might be. Well, because you, you yeah, have to say that all yeah. these Kickstarter things are geeky little products and, and, uh, you know, the market for, for these are pretty small actually.
0: Well, that's true.
2: I,
1: I don't know. I
0: don't it's, know.
2: I think it's
1: a, I think it's an interesting concept of, of high, highlighting startup products. It's a, it is. I don't know necessarily if it's uh, a moneymaker because my moneymaker necessarily has more of a marketing piece to try to appeal to those those that are really focused on what's happening in the entrepreneurial and startup community. I don't know. Because that's, that's not just technology. I mean, it, it can move beyond just right. tech devices. So Right. But, well, uh, speaking of Best Buy, I did notice there is a there is a piece uh, in the business journal, again, it's behind that paywall, but about Best Buy having to close some stores. I don't know if you guys saw that. Oh, no, uh, what, what's that uh, about? I'm trying to open it. And for some reason, my account doesn't allow me to see it. But <laughs> That's because you <laughs> it's, forgot to pay. I did pay. Gosh, darn it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you so, can't use that Joe Schmedlap credit card anymore. You've got uh, to use, probably the, it. You gotta use probably a real it. one. But,
1: um, yeah, it, it, it's kind of interesting. It looks like it says, hang on a second, seven stores this fall. Um, there, are, um, Let's see, six stores are closed at the end of October. One in Council Bluffs, Iowa. Two are in Baltimore, Maine, South Carolina, uh, Long Island. I guess that's probably about as close as it gets. Uh, Wilmer, Minnesota. Sorry, they're going to close the Wilmer store. And I know you like that one. Bummer. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So they got to pay for that uh, showcasing of uh, startup stuff on the end caps. <laughs> <laughs> oh, funny! So anyway, there's a little Best Buy news. Yeah, and
0: well, um, go on. I'm sorry. No, you just you were going to talk about uh, Julio's was, article on uh, the coding school, right? Uh, right.
2: Have you heard of these people, the Iron Yard? Yep. Sure have. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah.
1: Um, it's another, yeah. Another coding school. I think, I can't remember where they're based. They're not based here in, in, uh, uh, Minneapolis. It's, maybe it was Chicago. I can't remember. No, no uh, Green, uh, Greenville, Greenville, South yeah. Carolina. Yeah. No, the way they say it in South Carolina is Greenville. It's not Greenville. Greenville. It's Greenville. It's not Greenville.
2: Greenville. It's, on, not no. Greenville. it's Greenville, oh,
1: okay. South Carolina. So, All right. Sorry. Um, yeah. I haven't had a chance to spend much time. At, I, I haven't been to that place because I, you know, I'm just such a big fan of uh, what prime is doing. So, um, I haven't been over to the iron yard, but looks like an interesting spot.
0: Yeah. yeah. But
1: uh, it's interesting to see these cold schools kind of, pro- uh, you know, popping up, um, as, as we look for people to transition from, from industries or, you know, or, you know, finding themselves out of work and trying to find you know recraft themselves and rebuild themselves.
0: I think it's interesting to see how it works. Yeah. Well and we need more engineers because yeah. they're being stolen by the big companies. Yeah. That's exactly. right. I was talking, yeah,
2: like BuzzFeed. I, it is. It is. Yeah, that's
0: right. <laughs> they're
1: stealing them. That's right. So, all right. <laughs> um I yeah I was talking to the folks at Prime. They have an insanely high placement rate. They seem to do very well.
0: Uh, well again they're but the, that one member if you remember their core um direction was to uh be picky and to choose and to vet um their candidates so the people they're getting are, are already you know geared up to be high quality or they already are high quality uh developers and coders and then they basically take them and bring them up to a world class level so
1: no I-, I you know i don't think so no i think they're retraining a lot of people um do you yeah I mean the the people that I talked to uh they just had their big october um event they they've graduated a cohort so they had their um, job fair and I interviewed or six and most of those people were transitioning from other positions other yeah. other businesses and trying because they found that they didn't realize that you know i think one of them was was great she said she said you know i didn't realize i was a nerd <laughs> i was a geek <laughs> uh and now i know and it's uh, you know but again i think even at that entry level position entry level area they are finding work and they're being able to put their the skills they learn at prime to yeah. work pretty yeah. quickly so That's great. That's
0: great. Well, our pals at Sports Engine uh, decided that they would uh, acquire, a fundraising sports fundraising uh, company. And when when I first saw this, and Tim, you put this in here, right? Yep. Yep. Uh, When I first saw this, um, I'll I'll just say what my reaction was, and I'd be interested in yours. When I saw this, I first scratched my head and went, "What?" And then I realized how smart it was because they're already kind of the hub for for sports teams. Um, and especially at, at, uh, you know, the junior high school and high school level. Right. Um, and to have a fundraising component that they can offer. So you can have a donate button on there and you can do the fundraising transaction right on the same site makes perfect sense.
2: Yeah. It's, it's uh, the, the velocity of their acquisitions, uh, after the NBC, uh, you know took them on it looks like they pitched nbc and said here you know here are a, a, a bunch of companies that we want to acquire with the you know the funding yeah and and now they're just going and doing it so i, w- I would expect to see some more uh acquisitions like this as they kind of fill in the blanks and become this you know one-stop shop mhm i was a
1: talked to justin kuffenberg you know
2: a few weeks back when the
1: pitch uh, had their their open was it the pitch yeah isn't that the name of the, the, yeah, the sports, um, co-working space over by uh sports engine. I believe it's called the pitch, but I ran into Justin Koffenberg there and he was telling, uh, telling me that he, he got to know actually Jonah Peretti at Buzzfeed, um, they kept crossing paths at NBC because NBC universal was making an investment in, um, in Buzzfeed. And then NBC sports was making this investment into, into um, sport engine at the time. And she said that there, it was really interesting. It's it's all being powered by NBC and what the way they're trying to grow beyond just a TV network and trying to get into so many other things. So. Uh, I, I, I i found it really interesting um some of the things that that uh, sports engine has done uh, i know that they're hiring i know that they want to work on their core uh their core business which is um you know team support um, but it's interesting to see all this stuff popping up around them yeah and uh, and this rally me is really kind of like a kickstarter for sporting groups i don't know if you' have checked it out um you can you can you know for buy swag or you can yep. contribute up to swag if you get swag and things like that so right interesting I think it's a great it is a good fit it is a good fit
0: well yeah. our uh, anyway our, our buddies Julio uh, did an interesting article here about uh, in St. Paul Google Trekker goes where Google Street View can't now Google Trekker for those listening if you don't know what it is it's essentially a Google Street View 360 degree camera setup that you can uh, essentially, walk around with on a, on a backpack, or you can set it up like these folks did to take um, 360 degree videos of different locations. And, and here they're on the river on, in this particular article, and um, uh, they're taking uh, 360 degree views uh, in different areas on the river and so on. Um, and then I, being out here in Eden Prairie, not too far from where the Ryder Cup is being held out at Hazeltine was really interested um, when I saw an article about on the Google blog about walk the Ryder Cup like the pros. And so I've put a link in here to the Ryder Cup Explorer. So if you want to actually do both flyover videos and be able to walk, quote-unquote, the, the uh, 18 holes just like the pros would, um, you can do it because they had a Google Trekker guy with a backpack go out and walk the course and shoot shoot the thing.
1: What's kind of disappointing is that the uh, the both of the 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 video uh, resources that you're talking about, the Explorer and the and the truck, uh, it's it's kind of disappointing because it's it's not um, not actually when the tournament was set up. It's all yeah um, prior to the tournament. And I was out there on Tuesday with my son. We went and checked out the practice round in the celebrity uh, match and. That place is insane. Uh, we were out for the PGA when we was here years ago, uh, and and what they've done on that course now, and what's built up—it's like a small city now, yeah—and it's just amazing. It's even—I mean—it's so many times more intense than the PGA was. Um, but that's that's a very electric place right now. I, I know it takes if you're you're planning on going, you know, brace yourself—it's a two-hour trek in. So, uh, but uh, that's really kind of cool. I got to tell you just to have all of that stuff going on. I think it's more exciting than just looking at the course. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway. Yep. Cool. But anywho, um, check it out if you can, because, and yeah, buy yourself a $40 t-shirt like I did. It's great. <laughs> so I, I noticed that Dave, Dave Erickson did a, a piece called um, the 16 podcasting tips from four podcasts.
2: Right. And, and I put it in here because we have to get the tips from Steve Borsch. His his podcasting
0: tips here. Yeah. He pinged me some time ago on this and he's republished this a few times or put it out a few times, but, um, right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's been fun. I've had a had a few people who have teased me mercilessly. There we go. And also, uh, have been, you know, made kind comments and, and I begged. And so anyway, so
1: what are your tips?
0: Uh, highlight well, your tips. Well, my tips are uh, respect your listeners. So oh, it's all about why uh, bother?
2: No, it's it's about us, not about that. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> well, um, it might be for you, Phil, but you know, yeah. But,
0: you know, pro- <laughs> but provide- Steve
2: and I are just doing it for the kids. Come on,
0: that's right. <laughs> <laughs> provide <laughs> links to everything you talk about, right? Um, so that. that people don't have to try to remember it or jot it down, uh, especially if they're driving while they're listening. Yep. Uh, yep. Reply to comments on the post. Reply to tweets, and and you know take care of stuff. And then audio quality is critical. You know how anal I am about making sure that the show is listenable. Um, and then uh, there's some good podcasting tools out there um, that you can use. And uh, we talked about Blueberry PowerPress, the one that we use mm-hmm. on Minivate and what a great tool it is. So we're available on the Google play store and on iTunes and, and most of the stuff's pretty seamless. They also do have hosting which we do not use, um, but that's available too, Hosting of so, your MP3 files.
1: When we talk about audio quality, and I remember when I first started getting into this stuff with you and years ago, and we started talking about podcasting, and I was always a bit, I, I still am a big advocate of great audio quality, and Steve does a great job. Um, you know, you do a great job dealing with that. You worry about our packets all the time, so uh, and our packets colliding, and all those sorts of things. Yep. Um, I've seen I, over the course of years of being in um, the social media online business, at, when we, we first started this, I didn't think audio quality seemed to be that big of an issue for the listeners. Do you think that's changed over the years? That they're demanding more as the as the industry sort of the podcast world starts to expand? That they they that that listeners are are anxious for more and higher quality, or are they just looking for content?
0: Well, content content's number one always. You know, if I don't care about what I'm listening to, I'm not going to listen to it, right? I mean, and I'll uh, I'll look for things that I care about, and then listen to those podcasts. But the the thing that is really frustrating as a um, consumer of a lot of podcasts, um, the thing that's really frustrating for me is when I listen to a podcast, and it shall go nameless. Uh, one particular one of some pretty technical, uh, a pretty technical host and. Technical people that come on, it just sounds horrible. And is it, any, is it anybody we know? No, no, nobody local.
2: No. Well, who is it no. that? Well, no, everyone knows who this podcast is,
0: right? They
1: do,
2: but it will remain uh, nameless. Yeah.
0: But right. anyway, the the, the uh, <laughs> but the point though is is the fact that you know it's just like a website. You can have the greatest content on the website, but if your initial uh, page load is ten, fifteen, twenty seconds because they're on a crappy host or it's not, you know, their site isn't cached or something. You're going to sit there and wait for it to load and then say, ah, screw it. And you go to the next site. Same thing with a podcast. If it's bad quality and you're like, what did he say? What did she say? How did they, you know, and you can, and you got to go back and listen to it again, or you're, you're turning the audio volume way up. I mean, one of the things that drives me insane is uh, autoplay videos on websites. Not only are they autoplay, but the sound is always high. Same thing holds true with streaming video. I've noticed a lot of the apps on the Apple TV, you know, ABC and uh, TBS and others, is they'll play their, their little uh, bumper at the beginning, and the audio literally is two to three times louder than the show. So you have your audio set, and it just blasts at the beginning of an of a episode. And so there's things like that where it's like, "Hey, respect me as an audience member you know don't don't be bla I should have to sit there with my remote and go up and down on the audio
2: right so, so. W- what I think happened is w- when podcasting first started in in two thousand four, it was uh you know new voices and a new format, and um you we didn't really care about the audio quality, and as it matured. Uh, and you had professionals come in, and especially all the NPR crowd, the level of of quality raised significantly. Yeah, and those are the ones that gained large audiences. So those of us who are you know independents, we have to compete with NPR audio quality now because that's become the expectation. Where in the beginning that wasn't because that's not what you heard, even from you know people like Adam Curry who should know better. Right. Right, because his show, his initial shows weren't great. I mean, right, right, his show now is 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 good. It's well produced. Um, you know, but but in the beginning it wasn't. Right. Because I didn't think that was that important at at the time. Yeah. Right. Most people didn't. Nope. So
0: interesting. Yeah. Anywho. Well, let's talk hey. about some other top tech stories. We just have a few. Um right. the big uh, Tuesday, October fourth Google event is coming yeah. up. And um um one article in Ars Technica said everything from Google I/O is finally ready. Do you think that's true, Tim?
2: Yeah, I think mostly it will be, and it, 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 all the stuff will be out by by Christmas time. I think all, yeah. all the products, anyway. Um, the, Can you
0: just recap those real quick. What 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 they're yeah they're what, coming what, out? Yeah, what do you, what do you think will be uh, launched on Tuesday?
2: Uh, I think there's going to be a new phone or two. Um, and they, the, the, rumor has it that they're dropping the Nexus branding for the pixel branding. Mm-hmm. So there'll be the pixel phone and the pixel XL following in line with what the Apple's doing with uh, the iPhone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and both of those phones look very much like the iPhone. In fact, right. um, um, they'll be running Nougat, which is the latest version of, of Android. Uh, there's a lot of other interesting things that they're doing, and there's some, um, rumor that they're going to come out with uh, an OS called Andromeda that that will kind of meld together Android and, and um, Chrome OS tell me uh, tell me yeah. a little
1: bit about that what is what does that gain when you when you combine these two OSs and
2: well I mean, right now they've they've done it with a few of the Chromebooks and I'm still waiting for the one that I have to be part of that program where they add the Play Store to your Uh, to Chrome OS. So, you know, Chrome OS, as you know, is just a, basically a browser. So you're in the Chrome browser and it's a full Chrome browser. It's not the mobile version. And that is your entire environment. You're missing, I mean, there's a lot of great web apps uh, from, uh, Google, even, uh, the Apple, uh, I work uh, suite works on a Chromebook, uh, and of course Microsoft has a full Office suite that's that's available online. But you're missing a lot of apps that you really need. Like in in my case, it's like FTP apps and 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 other kinds of uh, things that that you really need a full laptop to do your job. If they add the Play Store, you're able to add Android apps uh, to that. You know that will be able to provide the kind of the, the key apps that you're going to need, I think, for, for most people. Um, Andromeda is supposed to, supposedly going to actually integrate that a little bit finer. So it's not just Windows that are running uh, in, in an emulation window, Android apps. It's going to be a more full um, operating system like uh, iOS or, or um, mac OS is. Uh, or windows. Yeah.
0: So, and that actually yeah. really, really excites me because I am running parallels on my Mac on my iMac here. And, um, I have uh jelly bean running. It's, it says beta. Um, but it's, uh, so I can, and, and I can't connect. They don't allow you to connect at the Google play store. So you can't really load a bunch of apps or just the stuff that's on there. But the point is, is it's running Android and how cool it is I would love to have even if it was an emulation window I'd love to have iOS running in a window and be able mm-hmm. to have all the apps that I have on my iPad and so on be very yep. cool actually what I'd like to be able to have is something where I could configure stuff on the desktop configure all my apps and then just have it have that configuration update both my tablet and my phone as well I think mm-hmm. that would be really cool but um I think this is a great move on their part, on Google's
2: part. They're doing interesting things. So the the implementation will be the, you know, the kind of the proof of whether this is going to work or not. Uh, uh, You know, I I think that putting Chrome OS and Android together is a good idea. Uh, How they pull it off is the question.
0: So we'll see. Well, in my home doc, um, so I'm running iOS 10. And in my home doc, I have the Google search app and the you just press the microphone and you can speak into it um and um the search capability in that is at least 3 or 4 times better than saying hey siri and then having um you know siri uh do its thing and give you results back it doesn't give yeah. you the same results i mean it's not anywhere close
2: well, I find that it that it it recognizes your commands and your and your voice better than what I've seen on on uh, with Siri or yeah. with Cortana on the Windows. Yeah, you know, you you, you you can ask it just about anything uh, in a natural way, and it understands exactly what you said, and then it gives you quickly back a search that's pertinent to that. Yep. So, that, so Google, you know, really does that whole cloud-based uh, thing really well, better than anybody mm-hmm. else. And uh, you know, they've quietly with uh, Google now been able to, you know, not only catch up but go ahead. I think of Apple and uh, and Microsoft. Yep. So,
0: all right, but, boys, I got to, we got to go to something else here, and this something else is facebook at work i I, I thought this was a bad idea oh it's literally
2: why do you need it i don't quite understand it seems like you want to be distracted huh
0: well okay so facebook believes it can keep individual employees engaged with the product so it's betting on a pricing plan that charges companies per monthly active user instead of charging a flat rate per company and so they're going to want to do messaging and all that kind of stuff i mean if i was a company i would say. Hey, with with you know eighty seven privacy and security settings, I don't want my people on Facebook, no. uh, in any way, talking about you know vitally important projects and things of that nature. I think this thing is going to auger into the ground. Yeah,
2: it will because <laughs> they're competing <laughs> kind of against awkward. Yammer and Slack. I mean, yeah, yeah. This, this is these are products that are you know enterprise grade. They're they're you know, they don't have any other distracting personal thing like like a Facebook does. Yep. So even though they're trying to wall this off into its own little thing, I have, you know, you're just one click away from being in your Facebook feed with your, you know, your Aunt Betty. So I this is not <laughs> not a good not a good. Uh, I, I, I I am I agree. I don't think this is going to go yeah. anywhere.
1: All right. Am, so then, what do you? I am, f- not, I am not a big fan of Slack, by the way. I mean, I'm I'm a fan of the, the ability to. To communicate in real time, no matter what. But it's, I think sometimes Slack is just a, a time suck. Uh, it is. You, know, you, yeah, said you, you said that before. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. So yeah. Anyway, but yeah, so but now Facebook is kind of a, a time suck with pictures of cats, right? Is that the deal?
2: No, not enough pictures of cats in my Facebook feed. Maybe I'm following the wrong people. Maybe so. Maybe so. You know, I want it to, if it looked like BuzzFeed, I would be, I'd be all into it. But you no, know, it's just a bunch of people grumbling about the election now. Yeah, I know. Mean, Ain't the truth? <laughs> I don't even like the look there. I'm like, really?
0: Yeah. yeah let, let's forget about Facebook in the election and let's talk about uh, video entertainment. And and this story you stuck what, in here. What kind about. of
1: video entertainment are we speaking about? Sam?
0: Well, any 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 TV uh, or movie based. The Plex Cloud. The Plex Cloud. So right. So I have to tell you that when I when you sent out the show notes last night, mm-hmm. um, and you had this link in here, so. For everyone listening, Plex, which is this, which is this media server that is is free and you can download. And I used to run on. Well,
2: it's not completely a, <clears throat> free, but it is completely yeah. free to try out, and you can get yeah. some function, a lot of functionality actually out of it. Right. For, for it's a free. it's a it's
0: a freemium model,
2: but it but it costs forty dollars a year to yeah. to really get the full uh, benefit out of it.
0: Yeah, and I used to run this on a Mac Mini. And I had a, a wireless Bluetooth keyboard that I had uh, like three years ago. And it was cool and it worked great. And the thing that I did do is I would go in and I would download all these connections to things that I probably shouldn't have. And uh, so I sent this to a young man that I know who's, I think he's 20, 20, or 21. And he puts things on Plex and has given his aunt access. And his aunt, I think she lives 10 states away. He's on the East Coast. And so I sent him a note last night. I said, "Hey, what do you think about this? Would you put your stuff in the cloud? Because you know he obviously he's got bootleg movies like Matt on there. I mean, first run movies too. I mean, I, I it's just it's scary." And um, he, he sends me a note back. This is over over uh, the Signal app because he doesn't. He's he's paranoid. He, he sends me a note back and he goes, "Not period. A period. Chance period. In period. Hell period." And he right. goes on to say, you know, essentially that there's no way that they're not going to scan the films that are in this cloud. What Amazon? Well, either Amazon or Plex. I mean, I can't see the movie industry not going in and doing a a um, scan for bootleg
2: movies. So you think it's a it's a honeypot to catch all of the uh, the people that are. Well, I think it will uh, be uh, pirating. Well, I, so I have all of our uh, uh, DVDs. Uh, I have ripped, and they're on a Plex server, so I can watch you know our DVDs on every comp- every TV in the house and you know other devices. Mm-hmm. That's the benefit, right? So I don't have. I have. We have one Blu-ray player in the house, and it's on the main TV. If I want to watch a movie on my you know other TV in the in the bedroom. I can't do it, right? right? But with Plex, I can because I have a streamer there. It's a Chromecast, so I can Chromecast with Plex app whatever I have on my Plex server. So it serves a great purpose for, for that, and that's all with legitimate media that I've I've ripped. Yeah, right. Yep. So so if you're if you're not a pirate, um, I think that the whole Plex cloud thing, uh, although it is kind of expensive, it's sixty bucks a year. Um, and, and then, of course, you you have to have Plex Pass, which is another forty bucks. So it's a hundred bucks total. But it takes your entire collection, puts it on the Amazon cloud, and that allows you to, you know, play it anywhere in the world, really, on any device you want.
0: Well, and and um, uh, there was another, um, it was just a tweet, and somebody was talking about this. I'll see if I can find the tweet. But they were saying that that it's likely that Plex will do what everybody's always done, which is to have one instance of a file or you know or just have one file not you know right. if everybody has the movie uh you know Willy wonk and the Chocolate Factory why have you know you got 10,000 customers why have 10,000 copies of it yep well
2: that's what that that's exactly what Dropbox does
0: right right
2: you know they take the fingerprint of the file and have all the ones that are identical you know um yep you get the master file yep Anywho, okay. I, I think this is a, a good thing. I, I think for pirates, it's not. But for law-abiding citizens, I think it's a it's a good move, although yeah. it's kind of expensive.
0: Right. So last big story, top tech story. I don't know how top it is. Yeah. Well, I know Phil I is on the it, edge
1: of his seat. I think it's big for for
2: Tim. I think it's it huge. Is.
0: Yeah. Raspbian Pixel is a much-needed beautification for the Raspberry Pi's biggest distro.
2: Well, so. I think this is important because it's making uh Raspbian more like uh you know other mainstream consumer operating systems. Mm-hmm. So you know as the the Raspberry Pi has gotten more powerful, I mean before with the original version, you know using it with a GUI in a kind of a desktop mode was was very painful, um, but now it's actually. Pretty good. So they've uh, they've cleaned it up and they've they've made it so you don't get the cryptic uh, you know boot up uh, Linux boot up where you've got all the lines of code that stream yeah. past you quickly. Um, so they've they've made it much more like a Windows or or a Mac OS. Uh, so you know, I think this is a good move. It's still uh, Linux. It's still based on Debian, uh, but they've made it more consumer friendly
0: which all is right. a good thing. So here's a question for you. So do you see this being like a Ubuntu for Linux? I yes. Mean just a, a really popular, it'll become a popular GUI for it.
2: Yeah, but see what what makes Raspbian, um, you know, really good is that they leave out all the sorts of stuff uh, from say Ubuntu that would slow you down yeah. in, um, you know, a device like a Raspberry Pi. So it's optimized for basically slow hardware, uh, which Raspberry Pi still is, even though it's increased a lot. Um, and, uh, you know, this is kind of their version of Ubuntu, if you
0: will. Yeah. Well, when, when, I, when I read through this is what I thought was, this will be great for, um, potentially great for Internet of Things, because if you can have a click and configure GUI for the Raspberry Pi, it's going to open it up to more people. Yep, So that's true. Yeah. Nice. So anyway,
2: I, I just threw it in there and yeah. it's one of those last stories said, if we get to it, great. If not, eh, it's okay. But uh, it's
0: good. It's a good improvement. Great. Anywho. All right. All right. Well, let's talk about the cool thing of the week.
1: Cool thing of the week.
0: Cool. And Mr. Phil, you get to go first. Uh, I, this is something I saw at the uh, um. target uh, Techstar,
1: tech star tech, all Star Tech Stars event uh, during Startup Week. This is Revelar. Uh, Revelar is a device that uh, syncs with your phone and it uh, can be worn under clothes or on a key fob or something like that. It's really kind of designed for women uh, as sort of a, a safety feature when they're um, you know find themselves in in danger. They can press this you know uh, discreetly press oh, this nice. button. Uh, it's I think I I think I like the I I like it. Um, more because it's it's on the path to something great. Um, I I really like the I, I enjoyed the pitch from uh, the founder of the company. She did a great job. She she really had a passionate story and and really has, has attacked this in a big way. My problem is the price point's insane. Um, it's ninety nine bucks, and I think that that's that's too expensive for a you know a button that. That sends out a warning. It doesn't. It doesn't give you anything other than the ability to contact, um, you know, somebody in an emergency or in a crazy situation. Uh, And i I think it's uh, I think it's uh, overpriced. But other than that, hey, this is the "I've fallen and I can't get up" button. Kind of, very much like that. Sort of a Bluetooth-enabled "fallen and can't get up" button, right?
0: Well, in in the um, um, this is funny because. I've been thinking about something. My daughter uses an app so that she can, uh, um, you know, if she runs into an emergency, she can use this app, and it provides us with the location, so we get an alert. But it also tracks up until the phone is turned off, so mm-hmm. it'll show the last location. And there's an Apple Watch, you know, capability now, where if you hold down the the um, the, the main vertical button on the right side, um, there's an emergency SOS capability. So you just press that and it dials 911 and gives them your location. And so that that sounds great, except if you're in an emergency and you're pressing that on the side, it takes a couple seconds. And it, it takes, takes two hands. Two hands and, and then you got to press the emergency SOS thing. And the thing I like about this is, you know, if you're feeling unsafe or you're walking to your car at night, um, you just clip it on and it's right yep. there. And all you got to do is just, touch it three times yep and, and that's you know. what
1: i that's what i kind of like again i think it's a, a great idea it's it's it needs the price point needs to come down to to really make it a uh a feature that that more women will adopt you know 100 bucks yeah. is kind of pricey so yep. but it's your security come on it is security true And it's
2: it's four easy payments of 24.99 thank you so much yeah <laughs> <laughs> now how much would you pay wait wait there's that's more. right they, and we're do gonna throw steak, in do i get steak knives yeah, we'll throw in some ginsu's. Cool. All right, Tim, your turn. So this is one that uh, Graham actually threw into the notes, which I I, I liked uh, not as a as a story. Well, I liked it as a story, but I like it as a cool thing of the week. It's the Blink uh, wireless cameras. Um, th- they start at ninety nine dollars for one, which you know it's kind of kind of pricey. But what they are uh, is a battery operated, totally wireless, very small and Looking uh, camera that you can stick at your cabin or wherever else or your main house. Um, you can stick a bunch of them. You can buy five for three hundred and forty nine dollars. Um, they run two years on batteries, and uh, of course oh, they wow. have the they they have the you know the the iPhone and Android apps, so you can get notified. They have a motion sensor in them. They have a light in them, so if something trips, you can turn a light on and. You get a notification, and it's kind of a DIY um, home security system. And for what you were looking for, Steve, this might the this might be a good uh, option for you.
0: Do you have to use the cloud? So uh, yeah. You, oh, you service? have to use the
2: cloud. Oh, yeah, you do. Sorry. Yeah. So no, that's cool. So stay with the Raspberry Pi
0: that I talked about earlier, yeah. and you don't have to do the cloud yeah. thing. Yeah.
2: But I I thought this was a cool idea.
0: It is a cool idea. Hmm. Huh. All right. Well okay. mine we've talked about the uh, the Signal app which is um Edward Snowden recommended I mean it's I mean other all security professionals uh, talk about this app Signal over and over and over again and I've as I mentioned before I've got all kinds of uh, people involved with using it including my bookkeeper who uh will sometimes work from home and will send me stuff over email and I just after uh You know, knocking her about a few times verbally saying, hey, come on, don't ever send anything secure like passwords or, um, you know, stuff about uh, our our accounts or whatever. Don't don't send it. Send it through Signal. So she's doing that now. Well, it would be nicer if it was available on the desktop, and it is.
1: Ta-da! Ta-da. It's like you asked for it and
2: it happened.
0: Well, they had talked about doing it. It's available as a Chrome extension right now. But, of course, I use Chrome all the time. So that's. Well, it's a Chrome app, actually. It's a Chrome app. It, excuse me. Yeah, yeah. You're right. And um, it works incredibly well. All you do when you, when you set it up is you open the Signal app on your phone because it has to be connected to your phone. And uh, you just scan the barcode. Boom. You're, you're set up. It's very
2: uh, very easy to to it's
0: use. It's very easy. So I was re- I thought oh, this is cool. <laughs> I was really impressed, and so that's mine. Yay. Good. So when you're communicating with Edward Snowden, you've got the right tools yeah. <laughs> when you're communicating. Yeah. Hey, he hasn't even responded to tweets that I've done. I'm telling you. Come, oh, on. Man. Come on, Snowden. He's big league you now. He's, he's got a much bigger name on the other line, Tim.
2: Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Okay. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I thought he was on the outs with Assange, though. So maybe he's looking for, for a new friend. He's on the outs
1: with yeah. Assange. Yeah, because there's only a few people in that circle they hang with. So. That's right. That's right. You know. <laughs> uh, listen, I put another upcoming event on the uh, event calendar, which I is did I o- too. IoT Hack Day on the
2: 22nd of October at yep. Electronics.
0: Yep. So check that. Out. I should have uh, put that on because of IoT Fuse. Yep. That was and I put dad. in
2: the Minnesota Blogger Conference coming up on the fifteenth. Oh right, yeah. October. Are tickets the, still available for I when I put this in earlier in the week there were. I don't know if yeah. there are now. No, but I don't know. If uh you know, if there are, you should sign up soon because always I think it's always a not. good event. You know, always Michael are, Roventine has feet. been
0: all over us over and over and over again to like how come you guys don't come? And has, I did, we, I spoke there.
2: Michael not, Roventine was a couple years ago.
0: Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to show up if there's okay. t- Yeah. This looks really good. It this looks Saturday, really good. October actually. 15th. Yeah. Yeah. There. yeah. Aloha. Yeah. I mean, I shouldn't act surprised. Like, oh, this is really, this looks really yeah. good this yeah. time. We've been there. We've <laughs> been there before. It's definitely. Yeah. Good. So Michael Roventine and Jen Jamara and uh, October 15th, Concordia University.
2: So our tickets, they're $30. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. So there you go. Excellent. That includes lunch, I believe. Okay. Good deal. So it's so you
1: know the upcoming week will hold some uh, some fun in the world of technology and innovation here in the Twin
0: Cities, and we'll probably talk about it next week on the Minivate Gang podcast. Have a good week. Take care. Cheers.